So, Sarah. Yes. Oh, you got a quiz for me. You look like no, I haven't got a quiz. Your, sorry. With your sorry. notebook and pen. I can. I can quickly <laughs> rustle one up. No, I was going to ask. Well, first of all, whether mm. you've been running to any beautiful, exotic foreign locations. And also, I thought I'd ask how you got on with the exercise challenge. Last yes. week, you got an invite from, you were taken to Java. So kind of you were a bit off, <laughs> off the place last week, weren't you? <laughs> yes, I was. I have completed it this week. Whoop, whoop, I whoop. have done a couple of long walks, three long walks and two interval training. And I went to the French Polynesia, continued my, my journey there. I went to another island and i can't remember for toffee what the name of the island was uh it sounded it, like oh, malaria Mal- malaria that doesn't sound good <laughs> it, it wasn't malaria it was something that sounded like malaria uh, it obviously made a big impact on you <laughs> it was a few days ago i have to say i've done more walks recently you're just getting yeah. so blasé now about about where you're running Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was either Hawaii or somewhere it in It was interval France. training, actually. It oh, was okay. interval training because I, I was running. I wasn't running on the beach, but <laughs> they were running on the beach. I was on the treadmill and we did sort of walking and running. And to be honest, I'm really unfit. I've noticed. I did all that running in January and February. Well, running on the, running on the beach I is hard. really unfit. Well, yeah, of course it is. And all that sun flying in. Exactly. And and no one likes yeah. that. <laughs> I have done four hours 20. Oh, man, week. that is good. That is good. I think I've done just over five hours, but that's only because I got a, wow. that's only because I'm on a bit of a running thing at the moment, trying to get 100K done in March. Five hours is amazing. Really good. And I did a couple of walks as well. I've, got, I've ordered your medal. Well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. It's going to be a do it yourself, make a medal. <laughs> This definitely listen. Opponents of your medal, anyway. I think these are going to have to go up on Facebook. The medals. Maybe there yeah. should be like a kind of a medal ceremony. Maybe, yeah, we could do that. But we got I, to actually. You know com- we've got to complete it first. Uh, do you know what I watched last night? The Curse of Oak Island. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But apparently, there is a new series that um, my husband is watching. It's called. Is this thing with pearls or? Opals. Uh, opal, opals? Hunters. opal Hunters. Opal Yes. Yeah. Opal Hunters. So been... do you know what? I have to apologise. I have warned him that I may have been rude on the last podcast <laughs> about his choice in, in TV programmes and your choice in TV programmes. But actually, I've been watching back-to-back Ginny and Georgia, which is not his cup of tea, and that's a real girly kind of teenage programme, a bit like Dawson's Creek, but not didn't you say it's a naughtier version than... than it's naughty. a very naughty version. And actually, because if we're watching it on a Saturday and Sunday, I skim through the naughty bits just in case one of my kids walks through. And <laughs> so, yeah. And also, because it's daylight, I, mean, well, I do wonder whether my neighbours can see what I'm watching on telly half the time. And I thought, I'd better skim that bit. <laughs> that bit. Anyway, yeah, so I've watched that. So I take it back. I'm sorry. Yes, I was a bit rude. People yeah. watch different Outrageous. things. Precisely. Come on, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, Sarah. Yes, I know. And there are people that have diff- different interests and I have different interests and dig, I sh- dig, I will dig. shut up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And just, um, it was five, four hours and five minutes, wasn't it, that we were supposed to beat this week, wasn't it? Four hours and seven. But I mean, we both we nah. smashed it. Yeah, what? yeah exactly. A couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I haven't really got much to report on the TV viewing front or films. Very disappointing. What about you? 
Well, it's more at the weekend, to be honest, because last week was pretty full on at work. So I watched, I've watched The Winter Soldier, the second episode, and there's a new Captain America in town, and he's not very friendly to Falcon and The Winter Soldier. It's okay, the series. I think it's better than WandaVision. Yeah, you said start, that last week. But WandaVision got very good towards at the, the end. end. I'm curious where this is going to go to be honest. Anyway, if you're a big fan of Marvel, Avengers, you'll love this as well. And then I've already mentioned Ginny and Georgia. I did consume about three back-to-back because I was so tired at the weekend. I did watch quite a bit of telly. And then I watched last night The Hunger Games because there was nothing else on. Just flicking through what could possibly watch. And The Hunger Games was there on Amazon Prime. And I hadn't seen it for ages. 2012, Jennifer Lawrence and also Liam Hensworth. And all very good. And I'd love to watch the next one, actually. Watch the series back to back. That'd be great. It was about over two hours long. It was getting quite late. And to be honest, we just stuck at it because we really enjoyed it. So, yeah, if you fancy watching an oldie, Hunger Games is a great one to watch. Good stuff. Shall we start with this week's oldie then? So we had Edward Scissorhands was the oldie and the new one was Tom Holland's new film, Cherry. Cherry, yes. So Edward Scissorhands off my fantasy list from 1990 directed by tim burton written by tim burton and caroline thompson starring johnny depp of course winoda Ryder, dan wiest we've also got alan arkin and vincent price and i also noticed that the teenage bully in this is anthony michael hall who plays jim who mm. was on the fringes of the brat pack and i believe was in the breakfast club Gosh, it was, I was trying to work out where I'd seen him before. There was just something about him that looked familiar. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't obviously mm. Snellmo's fire, but he was part of that gang for a brief while. Yeah. Anywho, so this was Tim Burton's film after he had done Batman, which I thought was interesting, only because you kind of cast your mind back to 1990s, made so many films, difficult to remember what came first. Uh, so this is the story of... An artificial man, or as Johnny Depp apparently referred to his character as just simply a creation. Yeah, a guy who was made in this castle by this inventor that overlooks this cookie-cutter suburbia town in America. And, And one day, whilst the inventor is finishing off his latest creation, just as he's going to add the hands, he has a heart attack. And so what we get is hands replaced with scissors and a very lonely character who lives up on his own once the inventor dies, keeping himself to himself. A very innocent character, really, living a life of solitude. Now, in one of the houses, we have Peg, played by Diane Wiest, and she's an Avon lady. And on one of her trips around the neighborhood without much success in terms of sales, she's kind of looking around. She's in the car. She looks up to the castle and she thinks, you know what, I'm going to go up there. And when you go up to the castle, it is literally like entering a completely different world. I think like this is what Burton's known for. Obviously, it's this unique blend of fantasy with reality. It really does look like this gothic mansion. Mansion, yeah. It's literally from another film. Anyway, she drives up there. 
She gets out of the car, goes up and finds Edward Scissorhands. And she invites him to come and live with them. And so really the entire film is about how he adapts to the real world from how he's accepted or not accepted by everyone in the town, to how he deals with his emotions, to how he deals with just living a life with scissors for hands. And you think of Tim Burton films, this amazing visual imagination he's got. The character is a very strike he's a very striking character because basically he's just got this full-on patchwork type black leather getter if you like with crazy sticky out hair and bless him because he's he hasn't got real hands he's got all these little cuts on his face from where mm. clearly he's been trying to use his hands or as I say scissors for hands you know and also his skin's very pale he's got this very strange almost startled like expression you know I think this is probably the first time we see Johnny Depp he had done 21 Jump Street he was looking for a way of breaking out that teen idol reputation this was the first time we see him you know, become this incredible character actor which he's gone on with really ever since then what we then get as the film progresses and Edward's now living with Peg and also Peg's husband and son her daughter comes back from college for the holidays and with that she comes back with her friends one of which is this kind of bully boyfriend jock character called Jim. And as soon as Kim, the daughter, played by Winona Ryder, arrives back at the house, we have this great scene where she walks into her room and lying on her bed is this <laughs> crazy, crazy character, which ensues this amazing scene where his scissor hands burst the walls of bed. It's fantastic. That's their introduction. Yeah. And basically what we then get is this love story, really, that starts to blossom between Kim and Edward Scissorhands. So I'm just going to leave it at that. The score as well by Danny Elfman is unique. We've seen it in Nightmare Before Christmas. I think we even saw it in probably Batman Returns. It's that very familiar angelic voices along with, uh, you know, that kind of, yeah, that kind of exactly Chinese yeah. delicate instrumental. that just is it's just beautiful. Uh, but it was a you know probably more impactful back then. We tend to see it a lot now in, mm. in films. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I really liked it. It's it's such a it's such a simple tale to watch, and it's always a joy watching. Well, I would say classic Tim Burton films. And yeah, no, I I really I, I really enjoyed it. So I'd be interested to know what you thought, Sarah. Yeah, well, I, I loved it from start to end, to be honest. Right from the start, you got the credits and a very Tim Burton style, Danny Elfman's music coming out. And it was, it was interesting because it had slightly twisted wording as the credits came out. And it reminded me a little bit of Vertigo. Yeah. It was almost like a nod to Hitchcock yeah. in, in some respects. I mean, the storyline is very similar, I would say, to Beauty and the Beast. However, there is a patch where there's slightly more accepting of the Beast, which is Edward, Johnny Depp in this situation. Situation. And when he's taken by Peg um, Diane Weist to her house, she's very trusting of him, though. Avoiding uh, a person with scissors or could be perceived as weapons yeah. as hands in her home. There's a lot of this film where I think you're just supposed yeah. to completely suspend your disbelief because I yeah. thought the same thing. I mean, when she walks into that, I mean, this is a scary, dark, yeah. almost haunted looking like. Never, kind of I would never go in there. Yeah, she just, she just <laughs> strolls on in and says, hey, hey, and yeah, she, I feel a bit sorry for you. Why don't you come with me? Instead of yeah. like, oh my God, what the hell is this? Yeah, but but that's actually one of the things I really liked from this right from the outset. There was just lots of very likable characters that took him in, really. There weren't many unlikable characters. Ever. So it was quite, mm. quite a sympathetic 
take on that whole Beauty and the Beast thing. The whole community pretty were very trusting of him at the start, weren't they? And I don't think I would let anyone cut my hair if they had scars on their face from cutting themselves with their scissors. Well, do you know what? If <laughs> I, if, if Edward Scissorhands happened to come into my flat, I probably would say, you know what, cut my hair because I, I mean, he I'm was des- pretty. He was a genius at it. I'm wasn't desperate he? for a haircut. I think I'd uh, even, I'd take yeah, on the risk true. of a few scars. But he was very good at it. He, he cut everything from hair to hedges to dog care, and the nearly you know, part of this salon, wasn't he? <laughs> As well, as well so it's yeah it's it's very entertaining i loved that vincent price was the inventor of edward and in real life you know he was known for his 60s horror movies and as a doctor a professor or inventor as well and that was a good nod as well however i did look him up and he was in the brady bunch too which was quite random but it was sad i found it was sad that he died just as he was giving the hands to Edward and and Edward couldn't do anything with them because all he had was these scissors. But who would give in their right mind scissors if you're creating something why give scissors as hands in the first place? Yeah, the, the thing is with Edward Scissorhands, I mean, I think I even remember thinking it before I watched it for the first time. I mean, I, it's a bit of a triumph, in all honesty, I, to, to, I to make a film. I would spatulas or something. Spatulas! <laughs> or, you know, something What do you think that would be useful around thing? the kitchen? Just kitchen utensils. You could pick things up more easily than, than some scissors, though. Well, really, it should kind of be like a Swiss. If you think of a Swiss army knife, you must be yeah. able to come up with 10 different tools. Maybe Maybe on one hand, you can have useful tools around the house, you know, for the kitchen. And then outside, maybe on this other hand, you've got some tools for the gardening. So, yeah, he didn't really think that through. Just sharp scissors. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) I've been watching Walking Dead recently and there's one of the characters in it has got like a spiky ball as his hand so he can bash zombies over the head. I'm glad he didn't have that either. But yeah, it was a very strange choice of hands that the inventor gave to Edward anyway. I love the cookie making machine in the inventor's house as well. And there was a character shape that was stamping to make the cookies. And it reminded me of one, firstly, the whole setup reminded me of Charlie and Chocolate Factory. But the other piece reminded me of Jack from the Nightmare Before Christmas as well. Mm. It looked like the character from that. Well, apparently some of the inspiration behind Nightmare Before Christmas came from this film. So that's probably why when you see this, mm. there are bits you can kind of pull out. I do love the fact that they, they are quite similar all Burton's films and yeah. have the music. Oh, it's absolutely. And style is fairly consistent as well. Yeah. So it just puts his stamp on it. I love the fact that, you know, it's 50s, 60s suburbia, very stereotypical era that dad goes out to work at certain times and the cars leave the driveways and then come home at certain times as well the wife's running to get into their house to make sure tea's ready <laughs> I wouldn't say I love that but I just found it funny and then the, the wife watering the, the garden and all gossipy you know the handyman comes over for one particular wife where he gets uh, yeah a bit of a, a scene <laughs> And then Diane Weiss playing the Avon lady. It's so colourful homes and it's just very stereotypical America in the 50s, 60s suburbia. That they apparently, that's suburban cul-de-sac, the main focus of it with all the cookie cutter houses, that that wasn't built. That apparently was actually a community in Florida. The only thing they changed were those horrible pastel colours that they painted them all in, which I thought was quite interesting. I also mm. thought it was interesting that according to Tim Burton, the film is supposed to be seen, as it were, through the eyes of Edward. 
And that's why those colours were so kind of bright, because Mm. it's supposed to be almost through how he sees it in contrast to his life, which I thought was quite interesting because the film starts with an elderly lady recounting this story to a child in bed. And so in some ways it kind of makes you think, well, is it not actually just someone... Oh, the imagination of the child. Yeah, is it not just someone recounting a story? Mm, So I wasn't really quite sure about that, but... No, yeah, that's, that's a good thought, actually, yeah. Because then, you know, at the end of that particular cul-de-sac is the sort of dark, stingy mansion. But as soon as you go into the mansion grounds, it's amazing because Edward's been cutting his hedges in, in different shapes, like dinosaurs are there. and It takes real pride over it, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of a horrible... it's Yeah, exactly. I think, as I say, that's the great thing about mm. the character. And as I say, I don't think it's just... I think it's not just his character. It's almost like the kindness that surrounds him by mm. Peg and even the husband as well just in general the family and Mm. initially a lot of the people in the village I just thought it was all very positive and endearing accepting yeah Yeah, exactly and you're right Danny Elfman has done quite a few of the Burton films he's done The Nightmare Before Christmas Charlie and Chocolate Factory Beetlejuice Alice in Wonderland and Batman so quite often Tim Burton's top choice for doing the score and then same with Johnny Depp I mean how many films do you think Johnny Depp's done with Tim Burton good question this was his first one, wasn't it? This is where the friendship mm-hmm. started. I haven't looked, so I'm just going to say five. Eight. Okay, wow, eight. Okay. Eight, yeah. So he did Edward Scissorhand, Edward, Alice in Wonderland, Sleepy Hollow, which is also a very good film. And I forgot Tim Burton did that one. That's the only one I would say that's probably less Burton-esque out of all of them. Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Sweeney Todd, Corpse Bride as well. But what caught my attention with Johnny Depp was what's eating Gilbert Grape. And probably my favourite Johnny Depp film is probably when he's Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean. He's just a bit more, I don't know, free-spirited and just funny, basically because all the other films are, he's almost a bit like a, a new Vincent Price when you think about it with all these dark sort of in, in yeah. some ways I think it's kind of worked for him and it's worked against him because whenever he's tried to do something I think that maybe falls out of that character style acting mm-hmm. like when he did Black Mass for example even though that was you know an iconic mafia role it wasn't a typical Johnny Depp film and it didn't mm. quite work out for him. I mean, I thought it was quite a good film. But I haven't seen that one. But it's a shame, really. It's obviously a conscious decision. This is what he wants to do. But I think he's just got more to offer mm. than these amazing characters he creates. But, you know, what a formidable partnership, these two. I know, I know. And what I'm really curious to see next is Will Burton, when he does his next films, will he cast Johnny Depp given the press that he's had? I'm wondering whether there's the relationship is strong that he will continue to cast Johnny Depp in those because I think Johnny Depp's career is a bit tarnished let's just say at the moment it probably won't be Burton's decision it's going to be the studios isn't it I suppose if the studio doesn't want to go anywhere near him then no one's going to be able to cast him even if they want to yeah Um, so we'll wait and see won't we I guess which is a real shame because he's got a lot to offer but obviously his personal life is his personal life and unfortunately has been in the press a lot recently Third of thought, third of the can I say it? Have I got any further thoughts? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I need to drink and um, I need to have a little slurp. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I, I, I really liked it. I don't think it 
probably had as big an impact on me the second time round. I wonder whether that's because this was my first introduction to Tim Burton and then that being on a cinema screen it's one of those things there's so much about Tim Burton that's unique that you know when when it hits you for the first time it's quite a big deal so I think watching it sadly Mm. on the smaller screen I mean I love the character and it just reminds you how good Johnny Depp is and yeah like you say the usual stuff the soundtrack just the whole vision of it all I like the fact that you have no choice but just to go with a Tim Burton film you know you can't start questioning anything because it's a fantasy film and that's what it's all about you know Guillermo del Toro also has spent a career delving around in this kind of fantasy land in a much darker space obviously, with some of the films we saw like Pan's Labyrinth. And they both have drawn inspiration from their own childhood. We talked about that with Pan's Labyrinth. Interestingly, with Edward Scissorhands, it's supposed to kind of mirror his own childhood. He saw himself Mm. as this teenager growing up who didn't fit in. He felt like no one really wanted to be with him. So you know what I mean? This whole awkward nature of feeling like he wasn't quite like everyone else. You know, he's made that clear that that was part of of the inspiration behind it and also the idea of the scissor hands and the character itself was just a sketch he did when he was uh, younger the seed of it was literally this, this character he sketched with scissor hands and everything just mm-hmm. came from there if i recall his hair yeah Tim burton's hair is very similar to precisely precisely yeah. so when you think about it from that point of view yeah you're right it's not surprising this has kind of come from his own experiences yeah, no, I really liked it. I mean, in terms of what I would give it, I think I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it the same. And it, I mean, it's fairly short. It's, it doesn't need to be any longer either. I mean, it's. I think it was about 1 hour 45 around that mark. I thought Beetlejuice actually was my favourite Burton film, but actually I think this one is. I really, I really like this one. And it was nice to see it again. I've forgotten quite a lot of it. Winona Ryder was, you know, normal <laughs> Winona Ryder playing the same kind of role really in, in her early days. But really it's a good stepping stone for Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp at that time because they went off to do much more great films after this. And they were dating throughout and the entire And they were dating. Thing, throughout yeah, the entire they, film. They, quite a while, weren't they, the dating? Yeah. But how often yeah. do you hear that though? That well, couples the, and get I think if you get like set. I think if you get two twenty somethings who are single mm. like at that stage in their life and put them in a I think it's almost inevitable because they're always going to be relatively good looking i reckon probably 80 <laughs> percent of the time something happens offset yeah unfortunately not many last though do they so no. um i don't in fact i can't even rattle off a name that who's lasted in that can you i mean goldie horn and oh yeah russell. Kurt russell but they're but, yeah. but they're, but they're, they're the, the, very rare yeah precisely they're the exception to the rule so all good eight good film to watch so the next one is cherry Released this year, starring Tom Holland and Chiara Bravo and directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe Russo, who have also done Avengers Infinity War, Endgame, Captain America and produced 21 Bridges as well. So Angela Russo Otstot, Jessica Goldberg wrote the screenplay. Interestingly, she's done in the past the TV series Away with Hilary Swank and also Parenthood. And there's also Nico Walker, who produced the novel for this. So this is quite a movie moving story and Cherry is played by Tom Holland and it's his story where he meets a girl Emily Chiara Bravo and at college and uh, she's a little bit wild self-obsessed I would say and he is just infatuated by her 
there are some shots that are very kind of sensual when he's around her because he just adores her and things happen in very slow motion. And this doesn't surprise me that Jessica Goldberg was the screenwriter for this because she kind of writes in that way when you have the TV series away and where they have these reflections, you get kind of moments like that. I know it's the director that probably suggested that as well, but it's it's interesting to play it back that she was involved with this. Uh, the two, so Emily and Cherry finally get together and then Emily decides you know, through their relationship, she wants to go and work in Montreal. And so Cherry is like devastated and they kind of split up. They have a break and he decides to go and drop out of college and go and join the army. And then they fall in love again. And she says, oh, actually, I don't, I'm not going to go to Montreal. And he's too late. He's already signed up. So they get married before he goes. And then he does his training and does his tour in Iraq and then comes home with PTSD, which is, is unfortunately happens a lot to people in, in that kind of profession, which is really sad. And he turns into a drug addict. He just goes spirals downhill. And just to get them through this trauma, he turns into a drug addict. And then his wife becomes addicted also. She's a college teacher when he comes out. And even she goes on breaks and has a hit and then goes back into class. I couldn't believe that, that nobody would, you know, kind of know what she's doing. And he's out of work because he just he's just so traumatized by everything and to keep themselves afloat he starts robbing banks he does it in quite a discreet way he writes on one side of the bank note and says this is a robbery and then the other side it says i have a gun and people just hand over the money quite smoothly and he makes his way out and that's it job done and he doesn't really get caught for a quite a long time actually they make kind of a living off bank robberies really but the film is split up into six parts and each chapter has its own star the camera angles the screen size it's very stylized and it makes the cinematography really well done actually I really like that it was very different and the story is quite sad and moving really but it's really a struggle how to live after being in that war environment but at the knock-on effect it has with his wife unfortunately as well and really just trying to survive I'd love to get your thoughts Rob on it I find it a really engaging but also quite hard watch I mean, we said it last week, didn't we? First of all, to see Tom Holland in a role after Spider-Man. I mean, this is not to say he didn't have a career before Spider-Man, but that's taken up a big chunk of his career recently. So to see him, if you like, flex his muscles doing something completely different, I loved. I I thought he, bearing in mind almost the entire film is his film, really. I thought he did a fantastic job. I mean, I was engaged with him the whole way. Not once did I think he wasn't believable as effectively a drug addict and an ex-soldier with post-traumatic syndrome. There isn't a lot of light in it. And, you know, there could easily have been moments in this film where there was a natural gear change, Mm -hmm. where we started to maybe see this couple sort their lives out. Let's just say veer in a slightly happier direction. But it never really does. Sometimes it you think it's going to do that and it doesn't. And that's what makes it quite hard to watch because it's so kind of in your face, especially the drug taking. Mm. And also, you know, the scenes when he's in Iraq as a medic, you, you do kind of feel like you're in there with them the whole time. And, you, and it's almost quite claustrophobic. You want them to get through it. And it's a strange one. I think I felt quite, you know, it'd be easy to say it's quite a bleak, negative film but but that's only because they completely pull you into their world which i think has to be commended there were times when i was thinking oh man this is tough this is super tough but then you kind of think well hang on this is most likely the reality of Mm. most people who get hooked on drugs this is probably the reality for most people who 
come home from Iraq at such a young age. And because you kind of felt like it didn't therefore play to maybe a slightly more conventional arc in terms of, you know, light and shade and plot points, etc., etc. In terms of a tale of disassociation from the system, people completely falling through the cracks of society without any hope really trapped, although it was tough to watch. And as I say, in some ways, quite graphic and quite bleak. I also found it really engaging because of the performances. It may have gone on maybe slightly too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but then having said that, I actually thought the way it was all wrapped up at the end was really strong. I'm with you. I thought it looked amazing. I I, I love the way it was chapterized. I thought it was shot beautifully. I like the way the jump cuts they did. So often in, we would be seeing just a shot of a conversation or a close-up on someone and they would literally just have a slight jump cut where it jumped forward in time very slightly Mm. it was a very stylized technique which we saw i think on occasion in synchronic when we reviewed that i really liked that so yeah i I, this film was really for some reason stuck with me it's lingered in my mind and i remember when i watched it at the end i was a bit like wow i don't really know i don't really know how i feel about it because yeah, it's just kind of stayed with me. I, I think I've heard people react apparently in very different ways to this film. I think it's, it's received some negative criticism, but it's really mm. chimed with a lot of people. So I don't know. All I know is I, there's something about it which I really liked, even though the subject matter was super tough. I thought mm. it was quite a brave film. It was... I thought as i say it didn't play to conventions it never lost me i never thought oh my god this is i can't watch any more of this like there's got to be but i think that's down to the performances yeah i mean i did have a in the first part i had a bit of a uh he kept on having these slow motion movements of when he met up with emily and i didn't really like emily chiara bravo's character she just just so self-obsessed and it just annoyed me a little bit with those moments where things did slow down and where he was just completely obsessed with her. I didn't like her throughout the whole film, actually. She just annoyed me. She didn't need to go down the same path as him. She could have been stronger for him, and which had frustrated me as well. And I know some people are not that strong, so they may, in the book, they were reflecting on somebody that had really gone through that. I think that's a fair point. I think if there is a weakness, it is actually her character. It's Emily. <laughs> it's Emily. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, she just got to the end of her tether, didn't she? And she just started taking his drugs to, to help her get through the day because he was yeah, so I, much. I suppose. Which I, I su- could understand. Yeah. But, but she needed to be the strong one for him. And actually, he was being strong for her going through the same problem that they were going through. And he tried to separate himself and things like that as well. And she just kept coming back to him. She seemed like she was from the other side of the tracks. She, she mm. seemed like someone who got sucked into his world too easily for me too easily but she, but... Seem no, she didn't seem very committal you know she was very non-committal at the start and then all of a sudden oh i'm not going to go to montreal i'm going to stay and i just thought you selfish what's it <laughs> like you can't say one thing and then completely yeah, but, change your mind just yeah to, but did she, she know but what she, he'd done she didn't know what she but did she not say no because she was genuinely in love with him and yeah, didn't want to go she and let's face it when you... she's just a bit fickle isn't she yeah, but when you're young i was thinking this i must admit come on they seem to fall in love incredibly quickly and suddenly like should we get married before we go off and do our own things Mm. there was a part of that I thought come on I don't know I found that difficult to believe but 
but then I thought, well, I don't know, when you're young, like maybe you do, you do he stupid things. Because he was only training at the time. Because he you was going to, he said to her that he was going to Iraq, it was going to be two oh, years right, of his right. life. Right, okay. And, yeah. and her going to, to Montreal. But I know what you mean. I thought his performance was a powerhouse compared to her. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not, I'm not dissing her performance, but... You're right. She was probably, if there was a weakness, it was her. There was also this theme of dissociation in the film, which in actual fact, I would have spotted on occasion, but it was pointed out to me before I watched the film. I mean, some of the signs were blatant. All of the banks were just either called the bank. Or oh, yeah, that, one point, that was cool. I quite like that. Yeah. And at one point, that bit was the good. bank was called like the expletive bank of America, filling the yeah. gap. You know, it, yeah. it, and, no, I, and quite, like, I thought that was quite clever. That was clever. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, the doctor's name was Dr. Whomever. And yes. I think it was the same yes. for the recruitment guy as well for the army. These little mm. subtle touches of, you know, just I suppose their, their way of saying that America just doesn't really cater for these kinds kind of people they don't care these corporations institutions don't mean anything to cherry the little things as it were that, that i think lift it from just something that's run the mill but mm. i yeah i think i really liked it <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay give us your rating i think it's a lot it's a long film to have to watch through again but i feel like i'm, I'm gonna need to watch it again i so i'm gonna give it eight and a half Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to give it slightly less. For me, I'm crediting this for the cinematography, very stylized. I did love, you know, all that aspect where he, he was completely didn't know what the name of the place was or who whoever it was and the way things were labelled. I thought that was quite nice and creative. And for Tom Holland's stretching his acting skills, I would say he's, he he did a really good job. I just found it quite long, and I to be honest, I, it was quite a hard watch on occasions, and the subject was really tough and yes Emily did annoy me a little bit to be honest maybe it didn't annoy men to females I don't know could be the differences there maybe as well but I'm going to give it purely for the creative side and Tom Holland seven and a half out of ten cool cool it's definitely worth seeing I would say just for seeing Tom Holland if you're, no, no, if, you're if you're curious right so we are on to the film this week yeah the oldie should we do the oldie first and then we can have a private right. chat about yeah. the movie yep the oldie first then okay you're picking from my choices this week so mm. I'm gonna go for war okay I have seven I'm gonna go for number seven Used to be my favourite number. Number seven is Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, belter. A belter. The first thing to say about this is it's two hours, 37 minutes. However, yeah, so this is Catherine Bigelow, Jessica Chastain, and Joel Edgerton and Chris Pratt. This is from 2012, and it's a chronicle of the decade-long hunt for al-Qaeda terrorist Sam bin Laden after the September 2001 attacks and his death at the hands of the Navy SEALs Team 6 in May 2011. I've got very good memories of it. I thought this was just a riveting film. Yeah, I have watched it recently, but I will watch it again. It was, And, and that's why it's on my list at the bottom, because I thought it was really, really good. It is streaming on Amazon Prime, Sky Go and Now TV, which is all good news. And so you can rent or buy from all other online channels. And we both love Jessica Chastain. Can't beat Jessica Chastain. (laughs) So, yeah, the new film is Judas and the Black Messiah, which Mm. is up for an Oscar 
for Daniel Kaluuya, who you'll know from films such as Get Out. That's probably where he kind of rose to fame. I'm going to tell you about Get Out firstly. Go on. I was bought Get Out for, I think it was Mother's Day or something like that. From my boys, of course, <laughs> from my husband. I saw the guy in, in the chair and he looked like he was laughing. So I thought it was a comedy. So that's on, the, you know, the front cover of the DVD case. I thought, oh, it's a comedy. Oh, cool. I didn't know much about it. So <laughs> I stuck it on. And then we watched it all the way through and I said, this isn't a comedy. <laughs> This is a scary movie. Like, so yeah, yeah it, it was. Yeah, well, I think the trailer as well kind of alluded to that. I think when the film opens, you you think it's kind of going to go that route. I think that's one of the great things about Jordan Peele. But um, yeah. he also was in Queen and Slim, Daniel Kluwa, which is another fantastic film. So yes, yeah, super mm. talented actor on the rise. So this film, Judas and the Black Messiah, it's a biopic or drama. Bill O'Neill infiltrates the Black Panther Party per FBI agent Mitchell and J. Edgar Hoover as party chairman Fred Hampton ascends, falling for a fellow revolutionary en route at Battle Wages for O'Neill's Soul. Directed by Shaka King, and as we said, this is starting Daniel Kluwer, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons. And so as we say, yeah, Daniel Kluwer and Lakeith Stanfield are both up as nominees in mm. the Best Supporting Actor category at the Oscars. So this is obviously a very new film so where can we get this at the moment sarah yeah so it's it's to rent at the moment and it is full whack it's about 15 pound 99 and you can get it on amazon apple tv there's chili there's bfi player and sky store you can get order it from as well so i'm really looking forward to this actually i've wanted to watch this for some time and what is interesting about actor in a supporting role is that there's also the trial of chicago seven so there's two films around a similar ish topic up for oscars this year so Sasha Baron Cohen is up for actor in a supporting role alongside Dan Kalua and Lakeith Stanfield. So it would be interested to see what happens there. But the other two that are up for nomination are Leslie. Adam Jr. in One Night in Miami and also Paul Racy in A Sound of Metal. Yeah, which I mean, is, I've heard... Do you reckon? Well... It's hard to say, isn't it? Because we haven't watched The Judas and the Black Messiah, I suppose. Exactly. I mean, once we've seen that, I mean, I'm hearing such good things about uh, Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. So, mm. I mean, it is another film that I'm going to want to watch. I mean, i got to be honest. I mean, I like The Child of the Chicago 7. I'm slightly mm. baffled at Sasha Baron Cohen's mm-hmm. inclusion, it <laughs> seems for quite a few awards for his role in that. I mean, it was good. I wouldn't say it was Oscar-worthy. I don't know whether it's because... You know, it's that usual thing of people knowing Sasha Baron Cohen for doing pure, outrageous comedy, especially with Borat, that they're so blown away when they're seeing him doing a dramatic role. I don't know. I imagine it's probably not going to go to Sasha Baron Cohen. I I would have thought it's probably going to come from this film that we're going to watch. I reckon Daniel Kaluuya, from what I hear, and this film as well, I I would probably go with Daniel Kaluuya. But as I say, we're going to have to wait until we watch it. Yeah, I'm curious won the Golden Globe. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go on the Golden Globes, then the winner was Daniel Kluwer for Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, interestingly, Leslie Odom Jr. from One Night in Miami was also nominated in the same category mm. in, in Golden Globes, as was Sasha Baron Cohen. They also had Jared Leto for Little Things nominated in Golden Globes and also Bill Murray for a film on the rocks. So I think, from what I hear, it's going to be the Kluwer. I actually thought Jared Leto did a really good job, actually, of the Little Things. And I think I said, 
that he I'm surprised he didn't get an Oscar nomination for that I'm not I think that was that's what I said last time One Night in Miami was a very good film I'm surprised there's not Eli Gorey who played Cassius Clay is not up for a nomination for this over Sam Cooke really so I'm going to go for if I was to predict one that was going to win it I would I would actually go with yeah Daniel Kaluuya for, for this film because I think his acting and what I've seen from the trailers looks much stronger than the character that Leslie Odom Jr. played but I haven't seen Paul Racy's um, film so maybe that's one we need to watch and yeah. next week and I think last week we talked about best picture and best actor category briefly best actress mm. there again there are some films we have yet to see we have Frances McDormand for Nomadland Kerry Mulligan Promising Young Woman I've seen those two but I haven't seen Vanessa Kirby Pieces of Woman I've seen that yeah, no I've, I haven't I've, seen it yet I haven't seen it yet it's quite harrowing yes I know that. I think that's one of the reasons I haven't yet watched it I think I know what to expect mm-hmm. and the other two are Viola Davis from Mulroney's Black mm-hmm. Bottom which was mm. obviously along with Chadwick Boseman that film and Andrew Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday I mean both mm. those films are have been available for mm. some time to watch I believe or at least I know Ma Rainey's Black Bottom has Andrea Day got the Golden Globe to my understanding ah okay well again I, I feel like I haven't seen enough I don't think it will be Kerry Mulligan I'm not there's nothing against the no. rock nothing against her no, before I don't think so I don't think it's the kind of character and especially the nature of the film I don't think it's something that they'll go for and I don't think Vanessa Kirby will get it either. I think it's going to be from one of those three, Viola Davis, Andrew Day or Frances McDormand. But again, you know, I haven't seen those two films. Yes, Andrew Day won Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. So I think it's going to be between her and Frances McDormand. Yes. OK, I would go along with that. <laughs> Without seeing the film. Without seeing the film. Either film. Yeah. Well, so much of it is about buzz and, gl- and yeah. Golden Globes and yeah, maybe yeah, ruling yeah. out some yeah. of the performances you have seen. So more Oscar news next week I think on our predictions and play along as well so tell us if you just completely disagree as well uh, via our Facebook site so just look up for two small cokes and a large okay. popcorn you'll find us we've got some maths to do the runtime for Judas and the Black Messiah is, yeah, two, is, it- is two hours and six minutes Wowzers. Okay. Two hours 37 was the other. So four hours and 43 minutes in total we need to exercise. That's a challenge. Easter weekend, got more free time, might be able to go out for more walks. That's, yeah, okay. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, it's Easter holidays maybe as well. The weather's certainly good in the next two or three days. Exactly, exactly. It's a challenge. No, it's good. So we've got Zero Dark Thirty and Judas and the Black Messiah. Heavy going films this week, I have to say. Yes, that is true, but looking forward to both of them. Good. So, yeah, the sun is shining. I'm itching to get outside and get a couple of rays anyway before the sun goes down. What about you, Rob? Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm looking forward to meeting up with five other people for some oh, for, a run, yes. for a run tomorrow, which is going to be very, very strange. Luckily, that happens to have coincided with this short little sunny spell we're having. So that's going to be fantastic. Well, I mean, that is going to be basically the highlight of the week, no doubt about it. We are the road out of lockdown, aren't we now? I know. So, Let's keep it that which way. Which would be hopefully hopefully keep it that way yes so thank you very much listeners for tuning in and we'll be with you next week with some reviews on these two films and more no doubt okay and i I can have more to report on oak island by there i can tell you they found anything (laughs) (laughs) you'd be telling me about opal what is it called opal island or something opal Opal hunters or opal island all right then well look have a fantastic week and we'll catch up then bye bye Thank you.